Your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the podcast, Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. You know, and I always go back and forth with people that, you know, have their... the. Michael and then Mike and you know I don't know if I've asked you this before or not but which one do you prefer as long either <laughs> uh, personally I don't have a preference but typically what I do is with uh, with new clients because they'll ask me that all the time do you like Mike do you like Michael and what I'll say is just so I know so we can always be on the same page if you call in the office and ask for Mike I know things are going okay <laughs> if you call in the office and ask for Michael I know there's a problem mm-hmm. so that's a good way to kind of set it up for him I got you so it's kind of like the mom like the, the when your mother uses your full name kind of thing right exactly exactly <laughs> yeah if I I'm Mark but it's actually Marcus and so same kind of deal some people are like should I call you Marcus and I'm like ah, everybody calls me Mark so I think that's a good way of looking at it if you get the short version you're probably okay things are probably going good so I like that uh, <laughs> yeah, that's well true. yeah that's easy and it's an easy way to do it well, of course, Mike is the founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, and you can find him online at crystallaketax.com. And uh, let's talk about awkward conversations on this episode of the podcast, Mike. It's good to have them. They are not comfortable <laughs> by nature, awkward conversations. But being a good advisor, I think, really means being able to be okay with doing that. Because unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, part of your job is you know, to have to give people maybe sometimes news that they're just don't want to hear, but they do need to hear that, right? It's not, you wouldn't be doing your job and doing it well and providing the service you need to if you just said, oh yeah, everything's fine when you know it's not. That's not helping anybody out. So I've got a few instances, a few situations where maybe it's uncomfortable to have a conversation with clients, but I think a good advisor realizes these things are a must and how you handle that is going to go a long way in uh, working through those situations. So this will be a little bit different, a different conversation this week. But let's tackle this and see how we do with it. And clearly, a, a huge awkward moment and and something tough to work through is going to be when you have to deal with the death of a spouse and how it's going to affect the financial plan moving forward. Because the person is already in an emotional state, but you do need to address how things change. Yeah, there's two different ways that I've seen it over the last 20 years as a financial planner on how this kind of plays out. And unfortunately for most, at least those not working with our firm or you know somebody that's been proactive about it, is that it just happens and then there's this fire drill, this scramble you know, at the worst possible time about, right. okay, how do, how do we fix things right now or what's going to happen? The way we handle it in our practice is when we put together what we call retirement success blueprint, when we put together the financial plan, you know, so we do a retirement income analysis, make sure that we've got enough income now and rising income in retirement. We've, you know, taken an appropriate amount of risk and we're managing the taxes and all that. But then all of a sudden, we know, we're all high-fiving each other over the table, you know, at least theoretically, and then saying, okay, you know, great, this is a great plan. It's going to go well. We, you know, we're not taking too much risk. we got all the income that we need. Everybody's happy. And then I say, okay, you know, not to be kind of Debbie Downer here, but now let's take a look in the plan in the event that a bus comes along and all of a sudden one of you two aren't sitting here tomorrow. So, you know, we're talking about the effect of a financial plan on the death of the first spouse. And we say, okay, how does that change things? Because it might change what we actually do now. Let's not wait until after the fact. Let's make sure we're proactive. We're actually at least considering what the impact of the surviving spouse is going to be. So an example of that is, 
many people don't know. So if you have two retirees and both are getting Social Security, when one of them, doesn't matter which one, when one of them passes, the lowest of the two Social Securities goes away. So let's say that, you know, one spouse is making 3000 a month on Social Security and another one's making 1500 Okay, so one of them passes away. The surviving spouse is now, regardless of whose it was, is going to get 3000 a month. But the thing is that 1500 a month just went away. What that means is $18,000 a year of income just came out of that household. Now, the property taxes didn't go down. Grocery bill probably didn't go down by that much. The utilities didn't go down. But the household income just dropped by 18000 If you're fortunate enough to have a pension, then we say, okay, what's the survivor benefit on that pension? Is the surviving spouse going to get 100% of that same amount? I've seen it where the surviving spouse is only getting half of that amount or even zero because they chose a life-only option. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because, okay, if we already just lost 18000 on Social Security and let's say the pension goes from 2000 to 1000 we lose another 12000 Now $30,000 a year is no longer coming into that household to support the surviving spouse. So you got to build that into your upfront financial plan saying, okay, hey, look, everything's great today, but what if? And you build that in there so you at least understand what the implications of the passing, because the reality is one of them's going to outlive the other one. Yeah. So you want to, yeah, you want to have plans in place that address that. And, and taxes, you know, is going to be the conversation as well, and, and, you know, because you're going to shift from married to filing single. And there's a lot of little things that do change, unfortunately, when we lose a spouse member. And it's not fun and it's awkward, I'm sure, but certainly necessary to have that done. I imagine the same thing falls in line with a, a nursing home's care situation that develops and it's needed to have that chat about, you know, okay, here it is. What have we planned for? What have we done or not done? Yeah, absolutely. And how we build that into kind of that retirement success blueprint is, you know, we have a section called risk management about personal risk. So, you know, that's disability, that's life insurance, uh, and it's also about long-term care. And one of the things that I, I try to share with clients is, you know, in many instances, you know, for just good middle-class hard work and save their whole lives, they've done a good job, they're in a good position to retire regardless of their age, then what we do is we say, you know, we're not trying to pay for and get some kind of Cadillac policy that's going to pay for every dollar of long-term care we may or may not use at some point for either spouse in the future. What we're looking to do is take a look at your current assets and say, okay, based on what we have, the income sources that we have, if one of you needed care, home or at a facility at some point in the future, how would we pay for it? And just opening up with that one question all of a sudden makes you start thinking that, oh, wait, okay, if, well, if one of us needed to go to an assisted living facility or a full-blown nursing home or something at some point in the future, and that's going to cost eighty, $100,000 a year, now let's take a look at our overall financial picture and say, okay, but the other spouse is still at home those expenses haven't gone away. So how are we gonna mitigate the damage that's associated in the event that that were to happen? Now, before they get all wrapped up in the numbers and be like, oh my God, over five years, that'd be half a million dollars, you know, that's all we have saved up. What I try to explain to them is, instead of kind of going a fear route like some long-term sales care people do, since we're more on the financial planning side, I said, you know what, we're really not trying to solve the whole long-term care issue. You know, but there's a good probability that one of the two is going to need some kind of care if you live long enough. So what, what we're trying to do is mitigate the damage. How do we minimize the overall financial impact at a reasonable cost? And a lot of times I'll go back to them and say, do you realize that 80%, at least studies have shown, that nearly 80% of all long-term care or you know, unskilled care 
is actually coming at home. And those costs are more in line, depending on where you are in geography, between about forty dollars and $60,000 a year. So let's build a plan that helps out taking care of where the 80% is, rather than trying to solve all the ills of what could possibly go wrong. Let's just make sure that we've got a bucket of money or some kind of a policy or something in place that's going to make sure that we've got enough resources to at least minimize what the potential damage is going to be. Yeah. And again, these awkward conversations, you know, you want to be working with someone who's pushing you into some of these towards some of these conversations, because a lot of us do have the tendency to not want to face them or address them or whatever the case might be. And so it's good to have that, you know, that coach there, if you will, if you think about like the sports analogy, uh, you know, I'm sure every athlete wants the coach to say, you're the best ever. (laughs) But the reality is they need, you know, someone to coach them up to help them get better. Uh, same kind of idea. You want to have uh, be working with that advisor who's coaching you towards uh, the fun stuff as well as the tough-to-hear stuff sometimes. And I imagine a big question that people have when they first come in, Michael, to sit down with you is to say, okay, can we retire? This is when we want to retire, X date or whatever. Uh, can we do that? And the awkward part may come into play when you have to address yes or no. Yeah. And what happens with that many times is, and once again, you know, and I can only reference how we do it in my office and what I've seen over the last 20 years is that one of the biggest problems is people have had an entire life. We did a whole podcast on this about a year ago or so that we called the junk drawer. The fin- Everybody's got a financial junk drawer, yeah. you know, of stuff they've accumulated and just kind of thrown in, a, in the junk drawer over the years is that a lot of people have accumulated things and been sold things with no actual plan or interaction on how those things are supposed to get them any closer towards their retirement goals or those things actually holding them back from achieving their goals. You know, that could be another entire podcast itself. But the thing is, when they say, do we need to keep working longer or do we have enough? What they're really asking is, am I going to be okay? You know, have I saved enough? Do I need to save more? What do I need to do? You know, and sometimes that is a very real conversation of, no, you haven't. We run the numbers and we look at the plan is, So you've either got to save more, work longer, live on less. None of those are really good things to have if you haven't saved enough. Now, in most instances, by the time people come in and see us, there are some small tweaks that we can make that even if maybe they're not right where they like to be, that there's things with making some changes in what they're currently already doing. I call it, you know, Dan Kennedy calls it, you know, small hinges swing big doors. And, And so there's little tweaks that you can make that can dramatically change you know, what the retirement timing and the retirement income is going to be. Unfortunately, what I see in the industry, though, is, you know, there's all these product salespeople out there. They may be great people. You know, there's a lot of good people in the, in the business and that, but they just don't coordinate things. So a real financial planner is going to sit down with you and say, okay, if we do A, B, and C based on everything that you're telling me, here's the gaps that we have for trying to achieve the things you're trying to do. Okay, if we do A, B, and C, that's going to get us here approximately at this time. This is the amount of risk we need. This is the rate of return that we need. But that's not what happens. What happens is people say, oh, hey, well, maybe I should buy this mutual fund. Okay, here. And then they go see someone else and, oh, I should buy this annuity. And then, you know, oh, this sounded good. And I'm going to buy this stock, and, you know, because I hear it's doing great the last 10 years. And all of a sudden they've got this hodgepodge of stuff, but they can't honestly answer is, do I need to keep working or have I saved enough? And working with a true financial professional, that's their goal. That's what we try to do on a regular basis. What we do is we say, you know, and I, and I, and I laugh with clients, or they laugh at me, really, is I say, you know, half the time I'm a financial planner. 
The other half of the time, I'm more of a behavioral counselor because <laughs> I, I've got to tell you the good and the bad, and we've got to kind of get the real answers out of you, you know, what's good and what's bad. But the advantage of that, though, is that you have these very real conversations, the tough ones that the product salespeople don't want to have. They just want to get you to sign and kind of, you know, push the contract aside and get paid. On our side, we're looking for more of a longer term relationship. So we're going to be honest with you. You know, if we can help you and you're ready to retire, great. We're going to tell you that. But at the same time, if there's some tough choices you have to make because maybe you're a little behind, we're going to tell you that too. But we're also going to tell you what you need to do going forward. Yeah, I like that. And of course, that ties back to whether it's the Michael or Mike conversation, right? You're looking for- <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we had that one with Michael. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good way to look at that. Well, again, awkward conversations and necessity that you want to have with a good advisor helping you along. And of course, we're talking here on Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. And by the way, if you haven't uh, ever checked it out, Michael is co-author of a book called Purpose-Based Investing, Nine Lessons to Rescue Your Retirement from Wall Street. And you can check that out. It's available on Amazon. So you should take a peek at that as well. Real fast, uh, one more. I think we want to squeeze this one in. Maybe two. We'll see how we go. But uh, the legacy portion. Now, Michael, I, people are all over the map with this one from what I see and, and hear as well. As, and to your point about having that behavioral conversation or even a counselor, I imagine sometimes people come in and they really haven't worked through do they want to leave a legacy? And maybe the couple is split on how they want to do it. Yeah, we'll leave them a little bit. Or no, we're not leaving them anything. Or yes, we're leaving them everything. Or whatever the case might be. That happens all the time. I had an appointment yesterday. I won't go into all the details about it. But was that they had about $4 million went through. And then when I came down to, we started talking about retirement income planning, started about tax you know, conversion strategies and minimization for all these kind of things going down. Right. And then I came down to, I said, okay, well, as we're putting this tax and financial strategy together for you to get the income that you need, let me ask you a final question. How important is it to leave a legacy? Is there a certain dollar amount you have in mind? And it's funny, and the husband just kind of you know, crossed his arms and leaned back and he, and he looked at his wife and he's like, ask her. Uh, <laughs> and and so, I, so I looked over to her and I, and I said, okay, so is apparently there's, you know, this has been a discussion you've had. And she said, yeah, I've never really thought about how much. I just know that I want to leave a decent amount to my kids. Now, you know, they're doing very well. They, they've done everything right. They've saved enough and we're going to help them, you know, make sure they maintain it. And I said, okay, well, is enough, meaning you want to give them a large part of what you currently have. So you just want to kind of spend interest and dividends, get your income, uh-huh. or is enough $500,000 each, a million dollars each? Because there's different ways you plan for it, you know, if there's a certain defined number. Right. And then she's, and she said, so we're going to work through that. And I look over on his side and then he just looked at me, started shaking his ha- head. And I said, <laughs> okay, let me tell you for the last 20 years, how things have changed in my practice. I would say the first 10 years as a financial planner, when I would sit down with clients nearing or in retirement and ask them about estate planning and the legacy and that. So documents aside, now we're just talking about, you know, what do we want to leave to the kids, the church, grandkids, those kind of things. We would get the response saying, you know, I want to leave, you know, basically what I have here. So if I have 500,000, a million, two million, whatever, that's what I want to leave. What's transitioned, and, and I'll tell you why as well, because it's a very important topic. So I don't want, you know, any of our listeners to feel guilty about it because it's they're, they're not alone. The last 10 years, as I'm talking to individuals approaching and in retirement, the answer traditionally for most, not everybody, but most is, I would love to leave something to the kids and the grandkids, but I've put them through college. I've helped them out as much as I can. They all have good jobs. And I just don't want it to be at the expense of my retirement or my quality of life in retirement. And then that's a dramatic change. But if you think about why that change has happened, 
Think about the last 20 years. We've had two bear markets where the market sold off twice. We've had near 0% interest rates for almost a decade. So the last 10 years and what as this last group of baby boomers has been pushing towards retirement, what's happened is it hasn't been a great ride the last 20 years. Mm -hmm, So the mindset of those from 10 and 20 years ago to the the mindset of those over the past decade or so, large part of it is about self-protection. They understand that bad things can happen. You know, and that's part of those awkward conversations that we have to have. And, you know, so when it comes to the legacy plan, sure, we'll talk about the documents and the kind of things that they need in place, power of attorneys and transfer on deaths, wills, trusts, all those things. But just as importantly, we have to come with a framework of saying, you know, is there a certain amount of money or are we just hoping to let's try to preserve what we can for you just in case there's a healthcare event or you want rising income and just make sure that there's something left at the end. We don't know what that amount's going to be but we're going to do our darndest to try to make sure that it's going to be you know, more than less. You know, and I think that's a really healthy response for people uh, to say, you know what, whatever's left at the end, you know, go with that because, but it's not going to be at the sacrifice of the quality of life we want to see in retirement or the things that we want to accomplish. I think that's a really healthy response because we've worked hard to get there. And a lot of times we, we do spend most of our life, you know, sacrificing to help our kids as much as possible along the way. So I think that's good. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But again, everybody's situation is different. So it's good to have those awkward conversations. And uh, we're going to wrap up with one final one that's a little different. Sometimes, you know, we we get people listening to the podcast. uh, They had it shared with them uh, through a friend or maybe a current client of yours. And they've said, hey, you should check this out and uh, listen to Michael a little bit, see what you think. There's people who maybe have been working with an advisor for a very long time and uh, you know, they get along well with them or whatever the case is, but they just, they realize that maybe the fit is no longer appropriate, especially if they're transitioning to retirement and maybe that's not that person's forte. That's a different kind of awkward conversation that almost kind of leans itself towards the client. And some people feel funny about that. They don't know how to go about doing that. Yeah. If, if you think, remember the behavioral coach, Part of it is right. that's really where that comes into play, and and no different than we do on the podcast, you know, every couple of weeks. And that is, it's really just having a conversation of saying, okay, what are you trying to do? What have you done so far? How'd you get here? You know, with the advisor on your own, however you got there. Where do you want to go? So, what's your story so far? And then, what do you want your story to be going forward? And then, what gaps do we have in between? And the reality is when we talked about, you know, brokers and people calling themselves, holding themselves out as advisors without addressing what happens if a spouse passes, without addressing nursing home, without addressing taxes, without actually putting a financial plan together for them, what winds up happening is, you know, clients are confused. And then when they sit down, even just for that first kind of introductory hour, you know, we don't charge for it. They're sitting down at the table. We're not talking stocks, bonds and that. We're talking life. We're talking about what's important to you about money and the things that you're trying to accomplish versus where you are and where you want to go. Then what happens is they begin to realize that the advisory relationship, especially at this stage of their life, as they're either nearing or they're already in retirement, what winds up happening is they start kind of taking it back like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. In reality, this is the way it's supposed to have been for maybe the last 10 or 20 years. And they may love their their guy or gal that's given them financial advice. They may have been working with them for 10, 20 years or so. But what they soon realize is that I haven't really been getting advice, financial advice, financial guidance. What I've been getting is product. I've been getting performance. I've been getting, hey, let's come in once, twice a year and, you know, take a look at your statements. And, you know, it went up, it went down. And that's all that the relationship has been about for whatever amount of time. 
And then what they start figuring out is that, you know, our practice focuses on the distribution phase. You're in retirement, you're near retirement, we're trying to protect the money that you save, we're trying to mitigate any health care issues down the road, we want to reduce your taxes if at all possible, and we want to manage the amount of income that you can count on that's sustainable and predictable. All of those things are not what most people have been talking to their advisor about for the last 5, 10, 20 years. So they come to the realization that they're at a different stage of life where it's more about distribution and preservation than it is accumulation. You know, and I joke with clients all the time when they come in, I'm like, you don't see many 20 and 30 year olds in our practice. In fact, we don't have a 20 or 30 year old client. We will give advice to our clients' kids, you know, who might be in their 20s or 30s or even their 40s. But the reality is almost our entire client base are from mid 50s through probably mid 70s. They're either close to retirement, in retirement, retired early. And they said, this is the most, the largest amount of money I'm going to have for the rest of my life. I need to make sure it lasts me the next 25, 30 years and it's going to protect me, my family, and be able to leave a legacy if that's important to them. And that's a completely different conversation than they've had with whatever advisor they've had in the past that's just willing to work with anybody. You know, and that's one thing we, we pride ourselves on. Yeah. Well, and that's why we wanted to do this episode around awkward conversations, because they are important when it comes to our retirement and retirement matters. And so therefore, if you've got some questions of your own and you want to come in get on the calendar, 815-526-3092, 815-526-3092. You can also go to the website, crystallaketax.com and submit questions there. Follow the podcast, subscribe to it all that good stuff. And speaking of, you kind of talk about the advisor who maybe only gives that call every so often. Lucy actually has a question in, uh, and Lucy's in Lake Geneva. And she says, how should often should I be meeting or talking with my financial advisor, Michael? I get a birthday card from his company and that's about it. Yeah, and that's a function. I'll just tell you how we do it within our practice. So the way it's originally set up, when you onboard a new client, say that's on the security side, you know, so we've got stocks, bonds, mutual funds, all those kind of things, you know, things that have moved market movement in them, is what we say is, here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet together on a quarterly basis. So about every three months or so, we're going to meet together, kind of walk through the statements, find out what's changed in your life, show you, you know, that what we're going towards. Because over the first year, not only have we built the investment plan, we've started working on a tax plan, we've started working on the estate plan, we've, we're kind of making sure that by the time we get through about the end of the first year, we've got a full-blown kind of you know, holistic plan together that's not just investments only. So you know, now as we get to the end of that first year, then I put that on the client and I say, okay, is this good for you? Would you still like to continue to meet every quarter? Is this a little excessive for you where, you know, you're like, eh, I like Mike, but I really need to see him every three months unless something significant changes. So should it be, you know, twice a year or am I good with once a year? You know, everybody's situation can be more complicated or less complicated. So what we try to do is we say, hey, in that first year, we want to hold your hand and make sure that everything's going on as planned and that we check all these other boxes so we have a good comprehensive financial plan together. After that, how often would you like to meet? We just let the client decide that. So if all you're getting from your advisor is a birthday card and you feel that maybe your circumstances are a little bit more complex than that or you want a little bit better relationship, then it might be time to start kind of, you know, peeking around the corner and interviewing a couple other advisors. All right, Lucy. Thank you so much for that question. We certainly appreciate it. Reach out to Michael and have that conversation. Come in and sit down and have a chat. It kind of fits right in line with the uh, the episode that we were talking about this week, especially there at the end about sometimes it just may no longer be the right fit. 
Final question, and then we'll get out of here for this week, Mike. It's from Annie, and uh, Annie's in, where's Annie at? Annie's in Cary, and Annie says, most of my 401k is invested in company stock. Is that bad? Yes. <laughs> so does that wrap it up? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so Annie, uh, here, here's the thing. You can make a lot of money by having a lot of your, um, you know, 401k in this instance invested in company stock, assuming that that company stock does well. So if you have a certain amount of money or you're a lot younger and you're just trying to get the home run and you've got time to kind of make up if it doesn't work out, then that's a maybe. But if you're somebody who's maybe 50 plus and you've accumulated a large part of what you're probably going to lead into retirement, it may seem like a great idea, you know, and you may love your company, but if you think about two different things, one, now your financial future is attached to that company, good or bad, you know, who knows, time will tell. Secondly, your current financial circumstances is tied with that company, why? Because if things start to slow down in that company, you may not have a paycheck anymore. And then now you're kind of taking a double hit. And all I would do is I would tell you things, you know, things go boom and bust. So you think about companies like Enron, WorldCom, you know, all these were multi-billion dollar companies in the 2000s that were doing phenomenal and their stock prices were doing great until they weren't and they went out of business. You know, we could even take a look at, you know, General Electric and some of the struggles that they've gone through. GE stock as the time of this recording is trading at under $9 a share. Two years ago, it was at $30 a share. 10 years ago, it was at about $30 a share. So just please keep that in mind when we start saying, why am I investing? What's the purpose of this money? Is it for growth? Is it for protection? Is it for retirement? And let that dictate whether it's company stock or even just what you have in stocks, bonds, whatever product it is. As you begin to look at it, that should dictate where the money goes. Well, again, thank you so much for the questions that get submitted into the podcast. We always appreciate those. Hopefully they do help you. And as always, if you hear something interesting or useful on the program and you'd like to learn more about it or you're thinking about taking some action, before you do, always check with a qualified professional uh, like Michael Stewart. Uh, He has his MBA in finance. He's a registered financial consultant. And you can reach out to him at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial at 815-526-3092. Two, you can also uh, find him online at crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. Send us an email to the show. Subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you choose. Uh, share the show uh, with others that may benefit from it. We give you some diff- different ways you can do that as well. And, of course, uh, if you do need help, again, Crystal Lake is that one-stop shop with a CPA, enrolled agent, paralegal, all on staff. And they're here to help when it comes to all things retirement matters. And with that, we'll say goodbye for this week. And I'll talk to you soon, Mike. We'll have a great one. You take care of yourself, Mark. We'll talk soon here on the program. See you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance.
Sound Income Strategies LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies LLC are not associated entities.